This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here among us. And now as we dig into your word, we welcome revelation. We welcome inspiration. We welcome the ministry of your spirit to us today. We open our ears to hear what you're saying to our hearts. May every person in this room be blessed. And may they be encouraged. Lord, I ask that we, as those farmers, that we will reap a great harvest as we are faithful to sow. We thank you that you are the one who brings forth the fruit. And all you ask us to do is to follow your lead. So help us today to learn how to better follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so grateful that God, our Father, never asks us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. And what I'd like to do this morning is I want to talk to you about some characteristics that as fathers and future fathers, that we can build into our lives so that we can follow the lead of our Heavenly Father. What God really intends is that you and I will be a chip off the old block in the sense that we mirror image His character. Now, God made us all different. We have different likes and dislikes. But God intended that there would be his character evident in every single one of us as today, of course, each one of us will be ministered to by a word from the Spirit of the Lord. But in particular, I've geared this message to men in this room. And uh, I have a little acrostic of some key words and they follow F-A-T-H-E-R. And the first word that I want to focus on in the areas where we can follow after and we can mimic our Heavenly Father is to be faithful. The scripture says, every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You see, when someone comes to you and tells you everything that they are good at and all of their great characteristics, that in itself doesn't carry the full weight. The full weight comes when you watch someone walk the journey under pressure. Then you can see 
that person has passed the test. Job went through a lot, and he said that when he had been tested, he would come out as gold. And men, what God wants for you and for me is that all of the dross in our life will be removed so that we can be men, so that we can be fathers that represent the Heavenly Father. Now, I am not proposing that uh, you and I will never make any mistakes. But I do believe the Word of God that says to us that we are to be perfect even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. That gives us a goal to strive for. None of us as men should settle with, oh well, we all make mistakes. The truth is, is that you and I can make less and less mistakes as we follow our leader and we learn to be more like him. So that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning. The first one, F, being faithful. These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Now, particularly as your children watch you, remember that your diligence and faithfulness with the small things will affect the way that your children make decisions in life. There are various ones in here who thanked God for the way that their father led by example in honesty and trustworthiness. Your children are watching your example. And I want to add to the mix this morning for those of you who may not have biological children, but God has given you some spiritual kids. And those kids are watching you too. And God will use you to be a father to someone that maybe you, didn't, you weren't involved in them coming into this world in the natural sense. But you are one of those surrogate fathers that God gifts to people who are in need of someone to represent the father heart of God with flesh on. And never take that responsibility lightly. Because God will use you to help direct the journey of someone else. Your faithfulness in the little things. Now, where does that come to bear in life? Sometimes as men, we can get so involved in competition. And there is good, healthy competition. But the truth is, is that in some areas, we can get off target and miss it if all we are doing is trying to outdo somebody else. And what happens sometimes is on our jobs, that it ends up becoming a sports arena. And we can end up trying to outdo somebody else. And then when we fail to do so, we belittle ourselves to think that we are not as valuable 
as the person next to us because they are at a higher rung on the ladder. God wants you to know in this room today that what he is looking for in you is not at what level of position you are in your job. He is looking at whether or not you are faithful in what you have been given. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping a floor, if you're cleaning a bathroom, or if you are designing some high-tech, very important item. God is looking to see whether you are faithful with what you're doing. And truth be told, some of the things that the world values and says, man, if you achieve this, you are someone who, has, who is very accomplished. But don't be surprised that one day all that is hidden will be made known. And sometimes the people in positions that we revere, that things are exposed, that it's not necessarily what we thought it was. Because the things that the world elevates are not always the things that God elevates. So you may be pushing for a mark. You may be putting in extra hours. You may be trying to do everything you can to achieve something. But be careful, my friends, that you're not exerting energy as a waste of time. And here's the key. When you fulfill what God has asked you to do, you are a faithful man. And you will get an A-plus from your heavenly Father, regardless of what your boss may give you, or regardless of what the competition's happening in the natural realm. The way the world defines you should not be the way that you allow yourself to be defined. Because the world is heading down a road that will ultimately be in destruction. God looks at you and he values things that are different than what the world values. So when the world gives you stars and stickers for certain things, don't get too excited. Because to God, those may be valueless. What you need to look for is what will God be pleased with. And when you do, you will receive the promotion and the blessing of the Lord. And here's the thing. When you have to grab something and you have to step on someone else to get to another rung on the ladder, once you get to that rung on the ladder, you better hold on for it, for, to it for dear life because someone else is going to try to step on you. It's just the way it is. You see, that's the world's way. But here's the difference in following God. The Bible says that promotion does not come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. And here's a great piece. Listen to this clearly. When God puts you in a position, no one can take you out. You see? That's why it's so much better to allow him to direct your life instead of you cry, clamoring to get your own level of success. Men, fathers, don't judge your value based on how much money you bring in. Your value in the level of faithfulness is determined by whether you do 
to the best of your ability what God has put before you to do. And I will guarantee you this. Today, where you are right now, and in your home, in your business, in whatever you're doing, if you are faithful with what God has given you, you will be promoted by your Heavenly Father. Because God always rewards faithfulness. He does. He expands your sphere of influence based upon how you handle what you've been entrusted with today. Listen to this verse from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9. God will protect his faithful ones. God will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Now, as men, we are the defenders of our homes. We are called to do everything within our power in the natural and the supernatural to fight for our families for the glory of God. But you and I need to remember that our defense is not primarily our strength. Our defense comes from our Heavenly Father. And the Bible says here in this verse that God himself, our Heavenly Father, will protect those who are faithful. It is the best security system that money can buy. And if I could say that money can't buy. Because the truth is, is that when you have God as your defense, it is better than every weapon that you have and every bit of muscle that you have to defend yourself. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't use those to defend yourself. I'm just trying to point out that God is the one who defends you in a better way than you could naturally defend yourself. That's why the scripture says some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots. And in our culture, those could be replaced with some other words. But this remains the same. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that needs to be the standard for our families. When you watch what's going on around you, don't allow fear to dictate how you handle situations. But allow God to be involved in your family by being a faithful man of God. And God will make a distinction between those who are faithful and those who are faithless. Your responsibility is to be faithful in all that God entrusts you with. When Eli, who did not raise his sons well, Eli had not disciplined his children. He allowed them to do whatever they wanted, and they became a stain on the priesthood. So much so that God said that they would both die. And in addition, when they died and their father Eli, the high priest, heard the news, he fell over and he died as well. And then the, this is what the Lord did after Eli passed away. God said that he would raise up a faithful priest, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 35, who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family 
and they will be priests to my anointed kings forever. The Bible says that you and I are kings and priests of the Most High God. And I want to make this analogy this morning, that God will raise up men, fathers in this place, who are faithful to do what he desires. Those who serve him. Men, it is more important for you to know the will of God and do it than for you to be a great success in the corporate world. God will have your back when you follow him. And he has all the resources in heaven. As men, we have to be very careful that we don't become too self-dependent where we feel that because we have got enough money in the bank, because we have a good enough job, because we have, and then you fill in the blank, that somehow we are secure. Those things can be gone in a moment. And I'm going to tell you, it's better for you to have even less and have God have your back than for you to have a great reserve in the bank because God owns all things. And you can access him anytime. And as you ask, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you as long as you ask him in accordance with his will and with the right motive. So men, be very careful that you don't begin to lean on your own intellect, on your own ability to make money, and allow the enemy to determine your stature or your level of value in society, let God define that, not the world. God said that he would raise up a faithful priest who would serve him and do what he desires. Be faithful. Next one is approachable. A. F. A. Approachable. Um, sometimes in our world and in di different cultures, I've seen this having traveled as a missionary. Certain cultures uh, even carry this to a greater degree. But there can be this attitude of a, a very tough man mentality, a macho man, if you will, a person who, uh, who is the value of that man is determined by how quick someone responds. And I have seen it happen in families and in situations where there is a dictatorial attitude in the home, where the man gauges his effectiveness in the home by expecting when he says jump for everybody to say how high. And I want to say that God's determination of leadership is not in line with that mentality because Jesus said he who wants to be the greatest must be the servant of everyone. And the problem with that mentality is it doesn't even work. It just looks like it does. But when you actually go into the home and you see the relationships, everything's broken. To the public, it may seem like everything's together. I said this, and someone did it immediately. But that's out of fear. Because many times you don't know what goes on in the home. But when as a father, as a man, you learn to love those that you are investing in and you develop a relationship with them, then when you speak, you can still speak with authority, 
but there is love within your words. And one element of love that will never be taken away is free will. God allows us the freedom to choose to respond with love or to reject that love. That is a part of him demonstrating his love to us by giving us the freedom to say yes, Lord, or no. So we have to be careful, men, that we don't become too heavy-handed because when we become too heavy-handed, we lose this characteristic, and that is to be approachable. You'll notice that in homes where the man rules with a rod of iron and does not build a relationship with the children or with the wife, you'll find that the family members would rather avoid than approach. And that's a very important key to look out for. You remember the children that wanted to come to Jesus? The disciples, they essentially said, do not approach him. Don't approach Jesus. He's got adult business to do, which is serious stuff. He doesn't have time for you, little kids. And the Bible says that Jesus, who always did what the Father would do, rebuked them. He said, do not hinder them. And then he said, come on over. And he blessed them. Men, make sure that you always remain approachable. If where you walk in your home, you see, kind of like oil and water, you see the family disperse, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is causing this opposite magnetic effect? Where instead of coming closer to me, my kids and my family are walking away from me. Only God can give you discernment how to change that. And I want to tell you there's something very special about when you are approachable. And when you have an open heart and someone, your child, even your spouse, will want to come and spend time talking with you. So that's a point I really want you to consider as you seek the Lord in fatherhood. Be approachable. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Do not, and it specifically says to fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You are establishing a legacy. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Listen to this. It says in Isaiah chapter 49, and this is a word that was given to Israel, but it was reflecting a picture of the Father. And he says this, see, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins because things were broken. But then in verse 17 of chapter 49 in Isaiah, it says, soon your descendants will come back. And all who are trying to destroy you will go away. Look around you and see, for all your children will come back 
to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. Your kids are like jewels, ornaments, something that you can be proud of. And you may be in this room, and there may have been some very broken situations. I want you to know that it is God's heart and God's intent for there to be reconciliation and restoration, and absolutely nothing is too hard for God. You may be sitting in this place going, Pastor, but you don't know what happened. I don't need to know. I have my own story. But I want to tell you this, that the Spirit of God can restore relationships that you never thought were possible. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work so that you will be and remain approachable. The next letter is T. This is very important. You and I, as men and as fathers, need to be trustworthy. We need to be trustworthy. The scripture tells us that in 2 Kings, uh, both two places, chapter 12, verse 15, as well as chapter 22, verse 7, there were uh, construction supervisors over the work that the Lord had being done. And they were given money to deal with the purchasing of the items as well as the construction work. And in these occasions, the Bible says that these men were so trustworthy that no accounting of the money was required. In addition, in, in chapter 22, verse 7 of 2 Kings, these are the words. It says, don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Way back when, it used to be so much more that a man was expected to be a man of his word. We didn't have all of this tiny text and pages and pages of signing stuff that lawyers write out to make sure that everything is done properly. It was a handshake of, yes, I will, or no, I won't, and I will follow through on my word. Nowadays, that doesn't hold a whole lot of water. And shake on it doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, but it used to. Why is that? That's because we have lost the level of trustworthiness. That means we don't trust each other anymore. It's like, okay, you can tell me you're going to do that, but that's not good enough for me. I got to get this big, long, 40-page piece of paper for you to sign to tell me that you're really going to do what you said you're going to do. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Friends, it actually could be a lot simpler. But what we do have to do we have to raise the level of trust. We have to raise the level of trust. And the reason that trust has been so broken is because it has been so taken advantage of. Man, make sure that you are a man of your word. How can you do that? It starts with the little things. 
It really does. You may think, ah, oh, Pastor, but that's just small stuff. When you borrow something, give it back. When you say you're going to be somewhere and you take up someone else's time for them to be there, be trustworthy and be on time. Be diligent in your financial affairs. When you make a payment to your utility company, pay it on time. Now, granted, there can be extenuating circumstances, but sometimes we develop this attitude to say, ah, oh, these big companies, they make a lot of money. I'll, I don't want to give them any money. What happens is we can develop an attitude that is not a trustworthy attitude. When we receive benefit, God expects us to pay for that benefit. And what you sow, you're going to reap. So no matter what the company is or how well they're doing, when you pay for a service, you need to pay with a good attitude. And it's important that we learn to be trustworthy. Trustworthiness. The Bible tells us in Proverbs eleven thirteen that a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Now, there, there are times where you need to share something with someone. But you need to be very careful that you're not spreading gossip. So one of the good determining factors that I have come to over the years in determining whether it's gossip or whether it's not is this. Is the person that you're telling a key player in fixing the problem? And when I say key player, I don't mean that you want them to be a key player in fixing the problem. I mean, are they in a position of authority to be able to help fix the problem? Sometimes what we do is we share something with someone else, hoping that they will share something and that the pressure will mount. It's the mob mentality. And God says, don't do it. It'll come back around to bite you one day, and you won't like it. God says that you are supposed to specifically speak to that person. Or if they won't listen, then you go to that person I was telling you about, the key player who has authority in that matter, and you handle it step by step. If you're going to be trustworthy, you need to be a man of your word. Be careful who you share things that hurt you with. If I go to someone in this church, and let's say someone in this church has hurt me as pastor, I have to be very careful that I don't throw my words out wildly. Because there are some people that I have no business telling about that thing that hurt me. Because I'm your leader. And it's not appropriate for me to just pick some random person and say, you know what, this other brother, man, can't believe what they just did, and then just go through the whole story. You know what that is? It's gossip. I could call it getting it off my chest, wanting someone to be able to be giving me feedback, a sounding board for my issue, but the truth is, is it's gossip. 
what I really need to do, first of all, bring it to the Lord, bring it to the person. If they won't listen, then I bring it to someone else who is a key player in authority to deal with the matter. And as you handle it that way, God will bless you. Keep this in mind, too. As you invest in that, you're dealing, you're sowing seeds into how someone under your authority will end up dealing with you when they disagree with you. How would you want your children to respond to you if you did something they don't agree with? Think of that when you handle someone who is over you in authority. The Bible says, do not rebuke an elder. But the word is used, entreat them. That word entreat means strongly request as someone who is over you like a father. The next point about trustworthiness is be trustworthy in your dealings with money in the sense that you don't have an attitude of get rich quick. Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Now, I can identify uh, uh, certain people in, in, in a previous uh, a church, two churches actually, that I pastored. And it's interesting because they, these two men, they both had families and kids, and they both had a kind of a similar attitude. They were always looking for the next windfall. And it was always on the next boat. And one person dealing with that attitude said, my brother, I think your boat sunk and it didn't make it. What happens? Some people are thinking that this boatload of riches is just around the corner. And in the meantime, guess what they're doing? They're just waiting it out. And they're not being diligent to work while the sun is shining. Uh, this one person I remember speaking with, and he was, his responsibility was caring for his family. But his type of a job was landing these either big deals or no deals. And his family would be in constant state of flux. It was either feast or famine. You could either pay all the bills and then some, or you had nothing to go on. And I said to my brother, I said, you know, you really need to consider how you handle your financial stability in your home because you're putting your whole family on a roller coaster. And you're allowing them to not know and not to have any, how's your, your wife is not feeling any security because it's either feast or famine. And yet you are always thinking you're going to land this big job that's going to stand with you for the rest of your life. But over these past years that I've known you, that hasn't happened. So you need to do a reality check. And you need to allow the Lord to establish a faithful heart of diligence. While you're waiting for your next big job, be faithful with all the little ones that come before it. And if God does give you some big job, it'll be because you were faithful with the little one. My challenge to all of us here, let's be faithful in how we work. Let's, as it was mentioned even in here, the work ethic that is passed on from a father to a child is very important. 
you need to first have that work ethic before you can instill it because your children will not do so much as what you say as what you do. So live it out. Don't just speak it out. Allow God to develop a good work ethic and that will be a part of your trustworthiness. The other part I want to share with you as uh, the next letter is H in the word father. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, all of you no doubt are familiar with this prayer that Jesus prayed. And it starts by saying simply this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. As men, we have to be very careful that we set apart those things that are holy. Holy. May your name be kept holy. That means that you and I need to keep God's name holy. We have a trend in our society that is so flippantly taking God's name in vain. I've even heard some Christians, maybe just because they're so used to it, and they'll say, oh my God, as easy as you would say, how are you doing? And I just want to give a little word of warning to you who do that. You're not keeping God's name holy. Be careful. If you do say, oh my God, it should be out of an exclamation with your mind focused on him. Not a flippant statement when you're going through something, oh, and then an exclamation. That's not keeping his name holy. And I've heard some of you in this room do that. So I just want to tell you very kindly, please stop it. <laughs> please. Because we must keep God's name holy. Sometimes people think if they use the first letter of each word that it makes it any different. O-M-G. And of course, some will say, oh my goodness. They both start with G. But the trend in our society is to take God's name in vain. So I just want to encourage you, distance yourself from anything that takes God's name lightly. Men, we have to lead in this. We've got to watch our words. We shouldn't use these acronyms that do not honor God. There's a lot of other acronyms I could talk about, but right now I'm just talking about keeping God's name holy. And then, holy, H. You and I need to make sure that we, the word holy means to be set apart. As fathers, as leaders, as men, we set the tone as to how we make holy various things. I'm going to list a few. How are you doing in keeping your prayer closet holy? And I'm talking about maybe not just your closet, you go in and pray, but I'm talking about your space, your time for God. How are you doing with that? You need to set the tone. Also, as far as holy, 
you and I need to do everything within our power to set aside the Lord's day as holy. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole list of everything that creeps in. But I can tell you that we need work on that area. Now, if your mom's in the hospital and you go visit her on a Sunday morning, please do. But when it's a beautiful day and the beach calls you, please don't. Okay? And I know there are a lot of, like, shades of gray. Oh, it's my work. Oh, I have to do this. Okay, I'm not the Holy Spirit. He can handle his job. But I want to tell you this. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you need to ask God, God, should I really be missing the fellowship of the saints for that? Okay, and I also want to make this point. If you are in leadership in this church, you need to make sure that you are asking that question even more so than anybody else. As your pastor, unless you have very good reason, I expect you, if you're a leader, to be in the house of God, short of some serious emergency. And the reason I say that is because we lead by example. We do. So I'm not saying that to condemn anyone in this room, but I am saying that you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you make these decisions because we set the tone and we must be men who are holy. The scripture says, be holy even as your Father in heaven is holy. All right, next is the letter E. Father, the word Father, the next letter E. Be enthusiastic. Serving God should be a joy. If when you have family devotion, everybody gets get together, we're about to read the word of the Lord. And you were just hooting and hollering for the game. You're like, my team won. But now it's prayer time. When that's your level of enthusiasm, that's what you are investing in your kids. And when you go, it's time for prayer. Your kids aren't going to go, oh, yes. You have to lead in setting that. So that there is enthusiasm. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It's a very easy verse. You could memorize it in a minute. Three words. Always be joyful. <coughs> Men, to lead, you don't have to look gloomy. You don't have to look gloomy. I really doubt that when all those kids wanted to come sit on Jesus' lap, that he was there like a grumpy old man. You know what I mean? I don't think so. There was something that drew them to him. Right? So, use these muscles. You know? It doesn't diminish your authority in the home to smile. Smile. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. E, be enthusiastic. The Bible says that whatever we do, we must do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. 
all the jobs I've done over my years before becoming a pastor. I've worked in fast food. I've worked in uh, just a whole list of different things that I've done. And one thing that I have learned through all of that is no matter what we're doing, we need to do it as if we're doing it for God himself. And I want to encourage you men, do it for the Lord. Whatever you do, don't complain. And when you, pro uh, when you proclaim complaining in your home, it becomes contagious. You walk in your home and you're like, oh man, another terrible day at work. Do you know who is listening? Do you know who is listening? Do you think that has any effect? Absolutely. Watch your words. Don't complain. Even if you did have a hard day at work, praise God you have a job. Think of the good things and don't complain. Did you know what happened when Israel complained? God was not pleased with them. They always found something wrong. Food comes out of heaven. And like, ah, same old thing all the time. Count your blessings. It'll change your attitude. And you'll be approachable. Think about the people you love to be around. Just think for a moment. Who do you like when you get in their presence? You're like, oh, I'm glad to be here. You know, like, ah, breath of fresh air. What kind of person do you like hanging around? Be that person with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not like that, don't conclude, ah, that's just who I am. I'm just grumpy at heart. God can change you. He can make you a fun person to be around. <laughs> he can. The last one, and I close with this. As fathers, be respectful. I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. I'm going to read that again in case any of us missed it. Listen closely. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. What we say about those who are in leadership of authority will reflect the kind of authority and how we, the kind of respect that we receive for our authority. How we speak about police, how we speak about those who are placed in positions of authority, whatever leadership level it is, People in positions of authority can do bad stuff. Yes, they can. And they will give an account to God for every single thing they do. But you and I need to be very careful how we handle that. I'm going to go back to my earlier point. When you spread stuff about other people, 
without talking to a person who is in a position to fix the problem, you're spreading gossip. We have got to be careful that we don't publicly proclaim stuff by not giving every all the facts and making things skewed in a certain way. We need to always default to respect. And when something is out of line, we pray and we act. And if we need to, we go to a higher authority and we deal with it. There are, me there are measures we can take. But you have to be careful when you blanket authority levels because what you don't realize is when you're in that position, it's very difficult when authority is undermined. As men, the authority that God has given you in your home, that should be respected. And if I know men, and I am one, it's not a good feeling when your authority is not honored. As men, as fathers, as husbands, we can make wrong decisions sometimes. But that does not mean that the level of respect should go away. It just means that those matters need to be dealt with. So I want to encourage you men. Be men who are willing to give respect. Because as you give it, you will receive it. Listen to this. Respect all human authority, whether the king is the head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. This also goes to every person in this church body. What I often, and I have to deal with some tough stuff sometimes, when I speak about somebody, whether we're dealing with a leadership matter and we're having to hash out some spiritual discipline or whatever, I always try to talk about that person the way that I would speak about them if they were sitting in the room. And that's a good gauge. Because sometimes we may be tempted to not temper our words. And when the person's not present, we just unleash. <sighs> but then when they're around, we're like, oh, and we don't say anything. See, that's not healthy. God wants us to deal with matters. And conflict resolution is very important in the body of Christ. And it's one th thing that sometimes we avoid to our peril. But I want to challenge you, when you speak about someone maybe in the church or someone at your job that has harmed you, remember to speak of them as someone made in the image of the Almighty God. Remember to speak of them as someone for whom Jesus also died. You see where I'm going? They're not a piece of trash. They're not someone to be demeaned. They're not someone that you could care less what happens to them. That's why God says, pray even for your enemies. If we can keep that attitude within this church body, we will be blessed.
and we'll learn to honor one another even when we disagree with them. And we can do that. We can do that. So may the Lord help us as fathers and as men to respect others. And the respect you give will be the respect that you receive. In a few moments, we'll be leaving this building. But I want to challenge everyone in this room. If your father is alive, if you can contact him, and if you can say a word of encouragement to him, please do it. Some of you prayed out publicly here about your dad. Maybe your dad's not present. And they invested in your life. If you can, contact your dad. If there's no other means possible, send a text or an email. But if at all possible, face-to-face -face communication is the best. Next, pick up the phone. Talk to your dad. Maybe, like me, your father is no longer on this earth. May the Lord bless someone else through you. Maybe you know of someone who's been like a father to you. Let them know that they've been like a father to you and bless them in the name of the Lord. God has given everyone responsibility. He has given all of us as men certain authority, but God desires for us to use it in a way that honors him. So this morning... What I'd like to do in, in ending this morning, see, God has called us as men to be the priest of our home, and I think learning that is something that's so critical. How do we do that? One of the ways that you are a priest in your home is you utilize the authority that God has given you, and you stand in the gap for your family. And you minister by the power of the Spirit. That's what priests did. They ministered. You minister to your family. So what I'd like to do now uh, is we're, we're going to close this way. I'm going to ask for all fathers and future fathers. And I'm not just talking biological. I'm talking about investing in the lives of others. So that covers every man and every boy in this room. So I'm going to ask all of you, if you would be so kind to take a bold step, and I'd like all of the men and the young men to join me here at the altar during this closing time. So men, come on down. Join me up here, and if you could just stand like kind of in the middle, make a line all the way across. Just kind of like away from the, yeah, just about there, that'd be great. You can just make a, a line all the way across. All the men, young men, old men, little men, come on down.
I have a question for all of you, especially you who are fathers standing in this, at this altar this morning. When is the last time that you blessed your family? Just think for a moment. When is the last time that you, as the priest of your home, did the priestly duty of blessing your family? It is one of the key roles of being a priest in your home. For those of you who are not fathers yet, God desires for you to be a blessing to others. And did you know that as you bless, God works in agreement with your step of blessing? The Bible says that as the priest would bless the people, the scripture says God would indeed bless them. Your words carry spiritual weight. It was represented by those who thanked God for various attributes of their father. I want you to take a moment, men. If you could just close yourself in with God. If you could close your eyes this morning. And I'm going to just do a couple things here. I want... The young men, boys, young men, you are maybe not even in a relationship, you're not married, you have no kids, but I want you this morning to focus on blessing your father and blessing those that are within your family. I know that when my father passed away, I was the oldest of six boys, and I had my mother. And in many ways, I ended up taking the role of being the lead man in the house, even though that wasn't initially my role. So young people, young men, I want you, when we pray, I want you to bless your father and your family, your siblings, your mother, I want you to pray that the Spirit of God would bless them. Men, you who are not fathers in this room, I want to ask you to do the same. I want you to bless your earthly father. Maybe he's not around anymore. I want you to bless your siblings, and I want you to bless those that God has placed within your sphere of influence. Fathers who are standing at this altar, I want to ask you to bring before God by name every single one of your family, your immediate family. And I want you to bless them in the name of the Lord. Very simple. And I want you to think of just a couple key things two things that you would like to bless them. Each one, all right, each one. And I want you to simply say, Lord, for so-and-so, I bless them in this area, and I bless them in that area, in Jesus' name. Then you move on to the next family member. Father, I bless this person in this area and that area in the name of Jesus. Now, as you do this, just as a symbol, all right, as a symbol of blessing, you are being the blessor, 
So what I'm going to ask you to do is to lift your hands toward heaven because you're not blessing out of your own reservoir. You're blessing from heaven. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands toward heaven as if raising it over your family. And then the, the person who's the recipient, they would be the ones that would hold their hands out to receive the blessing, all right? So um, I'm going to ask everyone else in the congregation if you would just simply put your hands in a position of receiving the blessing of the Lord. And men, you here at the altar, I just want you to lift your hands towards heaven as being the blessor, the one who is blessing in the name of the Lord. And then when I say go, here's what I want you to do. I want you, right where you are with your mouth, I want you to list by name the people that God has put in your sphere of influence and I want you to at least bless each one with two things that the Holy Spirit places on your heart. You ready? I hope I'm giving you a little time so you can think about a couple things, all right? A couple things. This is very simple. It doesn't have to be lengthy, but this is a very important step of you being the priest in your home. All right. So I hope you're ready. Now, I'm going to lay this mic down. I'm going to do the same thing you're doing. You don't have to do it super loud, but I do want you at least to mouth those words to your Heavenly Father, and I want you to bless your family, all right? So on your mark, get set. Let's bless in the name of the Lord. These are the words that God spoke to his people, and I speak them to you today. If you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised to do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity. The Lord will bless you with many children. The Lord will bless you with numerous livestock. And in our culture today, that comparison of meeting every need. He will bless you with abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many others but you won't need to borrow. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you. The Lord will make you. It is the Lord that will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. These are the words of the Lord. You must not turn away from any of the commands that I am giving you today, nor follow any other gods or worship them. Now, men, would you put your hands in the position of receiving the blessing of the Lord? Father, as I lift my hands towards heaven, I bless every one of my brothers standing at this altar this morning. I bless them in their bodies. 
I bless their health in Jesus' name. I bless them in their work and their finances in the name of Jesus. I bless them in the leadership in their home in the name of Jesus. I bless them in the area of discernment to be able to tell who the sheep are and who the wolves are. I bless them in the area of leading their family for the glory of God. I bless them in the area of understanding their identity and their value based upon what you say instead of the world. And I bless them in every single area of the various stops along the journey of life, all the different seasons, and every single pressure and bit of stress that comes upon them, I bless them to be able to stand up under the pressure and not cave in. I bless them with courage in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Amen. May the Lord richly bless each one of you. I want to encourage you to take opportunity to do this on a regular basis. It's very important that you learn, if you haven't already started, and some of you may already be doing this, but you want to fulfill your priestly role of blessing those that God puts under your care. May God bless all of you. Have a wonderful Father's Day and enjoy the presence of the Lord.